Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. The times I've been involved in games like that, I don't know that you get over it. Uh, I think you move on from it. I think you, you carry those lessons learned, and I think if you're smart, you carry them in an appropriate way. Um, it's a catalyst for action, uh, for thoughtful action, and I know it's going to be for us, um, whether it's strategic or, or whether it's personnel-based. Um, you know, we got we got to comb through it. we got to ask the critical questions why we've done that. Um, we'll continue to do that um, as we shape our next plan and make critical decisions regarding our next plan, um, the schematics that we choose to employ, um, the personnel that we choose to highlight or emphasize or de-emphasize. Um, I think, you know, all of those variables are, 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 are debatable at this juncture, man, because what you can't do is continue to do the things that you've been doing and expect a different result. And so um, we're open to some schematic changes. We're open to some personnel changes. Obviously, um, they won't be drastic um, in nature, um, probably more subtle in nature, but hopefully uh, significant. There's Mike Tomlin talking about his uh, sorry football team, Kurt. We'll get into all of that. But, uh, you know, right off the bat, welcome into the program, everyone. Friendly reminder to hit that subscribe button for us. Search the Steelers Wire on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever is best for you. We appreciate all the listeners. Even if the listeners this week, Steelers fans, Kurt, are um, probably not happy. You know, probably not happy coming no. out of Thanksgiving weekend here. And I, I think the word I saw on Steelers Wire in a headline was humiliating, right? And that's that seems to kind of sum up this 41-10 loss to the Bengals, right? I mean, it wasn't only a butt whooping. It was, it was a no-show in a divisional <clears throat> game in a wide-open AFC playoff race. And, I, you know, I think my finger's on the panic button. Unless you tell me to take it off, my finger's like hovering on the panic button. And I'm, I'm about to push it for the Steelers because uh, I, I did not see this one coming. And, uh, you know, they have... The Steelers are definitely stuck in a tailspin, and it's like, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to rebound from it. Oh, not either. I, I don't know that where they go from here. You know, today, today, Mike Tomlin, you know, talking about this game being such a rivalry this week and how you have to step up your intensity. Well, what was last week's game then? You know, what? why Why is this week's game more important than last week's game was? Um, you know, they decided to put pads on this week in practice today to try to try to up the intensity a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you, you know, last time they played the Bengals, you know, Tyler Boyd came out and said that it looked like the Steelers gave up in the fourth quarter. Yes, yes. And he made, you know, they gave up in the first quarter this week. I mean, it was, they came out with no effort. They came out flat and just never, never pulled themselves out of it. It was, it reminded me a lot of the start of the playoff game last year, the loss to the Browns. You know, they got themselves so far behind, but at least last year in the playoffs, they rallied. You know, they tried to come back. This this week, they just showed no heart. I mean, there was just no effort there. Um, you know, former players are coming out publicly and, and talking about this, about how disappointed they are. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wrote this week, how are the players going to respond to all this public criticism from, from guys who most Steelers fans consider legends, you know, when – when these guys are coming out and talking about how badly this team looks, 
are these young guys on this team even going to care? I, I would argue that they probably don't. I, I would assume that guys like like Chase Claypool and Devin Bush really don't care what um, Ryan Clark or Bryant McFadden have to say about them, even though those guys know what it's like to win a Super Bowl. You know, they know what it takes to be a Super Bowl winner, and and it's it's yeah. I, I just think I think the only thing the Steelers are clinging to right now is the fact that the AFC is such a mess. In terms of the playoffs, you know, you've got your top seven teams um, in the playoffs, and then you have five more teams behind them that are all 500. You know, you've got 12 teams in the AFC that are 500 or better. And so I think they're just they're just clinging to this notion that, that they can somehow, you know, a, enough bad's going to happen to everybody else that they can, they, can be, they can still stick around at the end of the season. And I just – I don't even know that's worth it at this point. You know, I, I, I've never been one to, to think about the idea of tanking a season or anything like that. But I, maybe at some point their focus needs to be the future and what do they have for next year as opposed to trying to trying to hold on for dear life this season. Because I I don't know I don't know how you make I don't know how you get better with what six games to go after what we saw last week. Yeah, and and they're not an easy six games, and and we'll go through them later no. on in the program here. <laughs> Uh, it's just hard to believe, Kurt, like a month ago, the Steelers had wrapped up. Remember that gutsy road division win over the Browns, low scoring, dogfight, Ben trots off, waving to the fans. The Steelers had won three straight. They had these lousy teams like the Bears and Lions coming up. I mean, it felt like they were onto something after a, a, that one and three start, right? And then since that game, all kinds of different crap has happened. They're one, two, and one. They've given up 41 points in back-to-back games. It's just like... I just find myself asking, like, what the hell happened to the Steelers? And Tomlin is promising changes, right? So, you know, if you were in his yeah. shoes, what would top your list? Like, what would you try first to try to, you know, what? where would you move guys? Who would you insert into the lineup? Like, what, what, what would be the first move you'd make to try to maybe give them a spark against the Ravens this week? I think, I think the first thing I would do is shuffle the offensive line a little bit. I said, I wrote this week, actually, that I would probably give Zach Banner a try at left tackle. Sit, sit Dan Moore down. I mean, he's been okay as a rookie, but he's he's been pretty overmatched the last few games. Um, I would honestly move Kendrick Green to guard the you know the position he played in college. You know, everybody everybody thinks about Kendrick Green as the Steelers center. He only played center three games in, at University of Illinois, and so I would probably move him to left guard, and I would probably put B.J. Finney at center because Finney and Roethlisberger have played together for a while. They have a good relationship. I don't think you're going to have to worry about the bad snaps that, that we've been getting from Kendrick Green. And, and just kind of see where it goes from there. You know, see, see if that group, um, you, you're moving guys into more natural positions, I feel like. Um, I don't think Finney, you know, Finney's probably going to start at left guard. Um, I would much rather see him at center and see Green play guard. And, and like I said, I think that it's just time to, time to maybe sit the rookie down um, as a fourth-round pick, it was awesome. He could come in and start at left tackle, but I think the season's kind of wearing on him, and defensive players have kind of figured him out. And, you know, Banner's healthy. He's getting on the field. We may as well see. He was supposed to be the starting um, starting right tackle. You know, why not see what he can do? Yeah, totally. you got to move Chukes to the left side and put him at, right, at the right side. Um, he's he, You know, he's healthy. Let's get him on the field. I would also probably try um, one of the other young inside linebackers in there in place of Devin Bush. You know, I, I, I've talked a lot about Devin Bush, and is this his injury? Is this a matter of confidence? 
Um, whatever it is really doesn't matter with six games left in the season. The only thing that matters right now is he got benched for Robert Spillane last week, and if Spillane hadn't hurt his knee, Bush probably wasn't going to get back on the field. And so where do you go now? Do you just automatically give him his job back? You know, you've got a couple of young guys. You've got Ulysses Gilbert. you got Marcus Allen. you got Miles Killebrew, who came to the Steelers as a linebacker before they moved him to safety. You know, get some of these other guys out there on the field. See, see you know, what they have in terms of, of energy. You know, if nothing else, I said Ulysses Gilbert's a kid I like because he plays special teams now, and he plays every kick and punt like his hair's on fire. I mean, he just goes – non-stop. So why not put that energy out there on defense, you know, and see what happens. Um, I, I'd also, you know, they signed Montrevious Adams this year off this week off the uh, Saints practice squad. Yep. I'd get him on the field. I, I'd get him out there. I, I'd make a statement to those defensive linemen who have been on the roster all season and haven't performed. Hey, we just pulled a guy in off the street and we're going to put him on the field. You know, that that's how much we think. Um, about kind of where we are as a defensive line and just see what happens with them. You know, there's not – unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do. I'm not going to bench Roethlisberger. I know some people talk about that, you know, sitting him down. and but You're not better as poorly as Ben's play, and you're not better with him on the sideline. So I would start up front, defensive line, offensive line. Team can't run the ball. Team can't stop the run, and that's where it all starts. Yeah, no, I, I like I like the idea of Banner for sure. I mean, he's he's ready if he's ready to go. Like, give him his job back, put him back out there. Yeah, that one's that. Yeah. One, yeah, that one makes a lot of sense. And then Adams, like, nobody could tackle Joe Mixon, so might as well, right? Shake it up, put him in there, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, th- this is probably the stuff that Tomlin's talking about. There's some good names there. Um, another name you've mentioned already is Claypool. Uh, so the story we're referencing here is, you know, Claypool was asked by. Uh, a sly little reporter who got a, a headline-worthy comment. So good for that reporter. Uh, <laughs> you know, Claypool responds to a question about, you know, what can the team do in practice to be better on game days or something of the like? And Claypool responds that, you know, maybe some music could help the guys, maybe dance, have yeah. some fun, you know, lighten the mood, you know, you know, maybe make practice a little bit more fun, Kurt, right? And uh, I know Tomlin had some funny comments about that, you know, the season is spiraling on the Steelers right now, and Claypool thinks dancing could help, right? So many, including current Steelers like Cam Hayward, have responded to Claypool's comments. What's What's been your favorite, and what do you think about it? I like the idea of how – I like how Tomlin answered it. Well, he's a wide receiver, so I'm going to let him do that. I think Tomlin understands, having lived through Antonio Brown, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, that the wide receivers just are a little bit disconnected – Good point. from the rest of the team. He did you know, I think that. there's He's just something about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's just something about sticking those guys out there wide all by themselves, knowing they're completely dependent on the rest of the team to get them the football and nobody's out there to help them, that those guys are just kind of disconnected from, from the rest of the team. And I think that just recent memory, I think you can see that out of, out of the Pittsburgh receivers. I think that Brown and, and Smith Schuster both fit that same mold that they're just, they don't really quite get, um, you know, that, that part of being on the team. Um, I think the biggest thing that hurts Claypool, you know, is the fact that you, well, you've got your own teammate, Cam Hayward coming out saying he wanted to smash the speaker when he heard him say it. Um, that's tough. I mean, that, that's something that I hope Cam addressed it with him. You know, I hope that he pulled him aside at some point since then. Um, and, and told him, you know, that's that's really not where we're at. 
um, I said, I wrote about it after the game and I, after he said it, and I just wanted to remind Claypool that they play music during every warm-up, and you've been getting killed. So what what exactly is that warm-up music helping you with? You know, yeah. you're out there dancing and relaxed, and meanwhile your team can't score any points, and you can't stop anybody. So let's let's not act like you know, you, you know, he's a young guy. You know, I, I I wrote about this that I think that. Unfortunately, we're at a point now in the franchise where you basically have two guys on the team. You've got Cam Hayward and you've got Ben Roethlisberger that are kind of part of that old guard. You know, they were the, the only guys left that, were, that have been around on this roster to play with some of the guys who are now commenting about the state of this team. And I think that you have to look at it as next year Ben's going to be gone and at some point Cam Hayward's going to retire and then th- there's not going to be another guy on the roster that respects that tradition. You know, there's not going to be a guy on the team. You know, David DeCastro's gone. Alejandro Villanueva's gone. Even Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, for all his quirkiness, is still a stealer. You know, I think he still respects the team. But, uh, yeah, there just isn't anybody going to take any of their place. And so I think that that's going to be an interesting crossroads for Tomlin to deal with as a, as a very old-school style of coach who is suddenly going to have no no real veteran leadership he can lean on to sort of reinforce the idea, you know, that, that this is how you, this is the standard when you're a stealer. You know, the, it was going around Twitter yesterday about 54 seconds of Troy Polamalu's Hall of Fame speech where he talked about how, you know, the only praise a Steelers player should need is from former Steelers, and there's no greater praise you can get than say that you could have played in my era or whatever the case may be, and you put the team ahead of yourself and, and all these things that Troy was saying. And I was thinking, this doesn't apply to probably 50 of the guys on the roster right now. You know, we got guys on the team that can't even get on the field who are more concerned about selling merchandise than they are playing. And that's that's just tough. I mean, I guess that's the state of the NFL right now, but – and kind of where it's going. But, boy, it, it, as an old guy who's been following this team since the 70s, it's kind of hard to hard to deal with sometimes. No, at least you're getting uh, nice content, Kurt, from guys like Rocky oh, Blyer, yeah. right? Rocky Blyer? Yeah. The Steelers suck. Yeah. That's, what, that's what former players are saying right now. It's nothing, yeah, nothing positive, you know, and, nothing nice. No, and Blyer's an old curmudgeon. I mean, he's he's made no bones about that. But he's a smart guy. I mean, he's the guy who, who left the team to go fight in a war, was hurt, and then came back and, and – got his career back. So, I mean, if there's anybody who understands, you know, what it means to, to, to be a part of the Steelers, it's him. When he says they suck, they probably suck. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. He's, he's not going to blow smoke on anybody. Yeah. Um, I'm with Rocky. I'm with Rocky right now. That's, that's where we're at. Uh, It's terrible. Yeah, it is. So we'll continue to pick through the rubble with our questions of the week. I'll, I'll throw those at Kurt right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for Week 13. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. While Heineke has multiple touchdown passes in only one of the last seven outings, this could be a get-right game for the gunslinger against a Las Vegas defense that has yielded 25.9-plus PPR points to four quarterbacks in the last six games. Over the last three weeks, this matchup is 36.2% easier to exploit than the league average, largely thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but even Teddy Bridgewater dropped nearly 30 points against his defense going back to Week 6. Heineke and Washington 
Washington have momentum on their side, and the quarterback has the weaponry to approach 25 fantasy points. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Detroit Lions. Madison will make his third start of the year with Dalvin Cook set to miss time with a shoulder injury. The Boise State product was thrust into the same role as Cook in the two prior starts, rushing 26 times for 112 yards and 25 for 113 in weeks 3 and 5 respectively. He added 6 catches for 59 yards and 7 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown via the passing game in those same two contests. The Lions were his Week 5 opponent, and they allowed 28.3 PPR points. Detroit has been among the softest of softies versus running backs in this season, giving up 17 total touchdowns in 11 games, including 7 receiving scores and 141.4 total yards per game on average. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool versus Baltimore Ravens. Claypool has come on a little bit of late, registering eight catches on 17 targets in the last two games since returning from a toe injury in week 10. He has not scored since week five, but has a better than average chance if he can avoid Marlon Humphrey more often than not. Deontay Johnson should see Humphrey more than he'll see Anthony Averett, which leaves Claypool to exploit one of the best individual matchups of the year. And even if he draws Humphrey, the Pro Bowl cornerback hasn't been as strong as he had in recent years. Something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 PPR points can be expected. CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Chargers. LA has done a good job of limiting tight ends yardage and receptions, but also has been the easiest defense to play against in terms of getting into the end zone. And that is the only reason why anyone should consider playing Uzama in fantasy. He has been mostly useless since a midseason spurt of five touchdowns in four games, so realize any inclusion of him into a fantasy lineup is among the wildest of gambles in week 13. Be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning content as we help put you into the playoffs. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com. For terms and conditions, 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, it's that time of the show where I throw my questions of the week at Kurt. He's not prepped on these at all, so good luck to you, Kurt. Um, Question (laughs) number one. Pittsburgh is in grave danger of falling into, like, this NFL no-man's land, right? Like, where if the season ends today... They're exactly in the middle, number 16, right? That's right in the middle, not in the playoffs, not the worst team in the league, right in the middle, and that's a scary place to be in the NFL. But regardless of who goes where in the draft, I'm not asking you to give me a name. I'm just asking you, like, a position. What position would you want the team to target most as a fan with that first pick this year? Well, as as a fan, I think you have to look at quarterback first. I know this is a great draft class, Um but I think picking in that 15, 16 area, I have a hard time imagining there's going to be more than maybe one quarterback come off the board before Pittsburgh goes on the clock. Yeah, maybe someone um, slides to you. Yeah, and so I think this could be a situation similar to what happened when they drafted Dan, where all the talk was about Manning and Philip Rivers, and then Ben just kind of slides down to him in the first round. And I think that that could be a, a similar situation. I mean, I know there's there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of disagreement about how good this quarterback class is or how bad it is and who's the best quarterback in the class. I think the kid from Ole Miss, Matt Corral, or Coral, or however he says it, he's probably the top overall quarterback in the class. But 
Steelers fans aren't going to complain if Kenny Pickett is their pick in the first round. I mean, he's a pit guy, perfect. breaking all, yeah, breaking all of Dan Marino's records. Probably showed more growth in one off season than I've ever seen from a college quarterback. I mean, the way he's playing this year compared to last year, you just hope it's not a fluke. You know, you hope he he can continue to build on it. But his his growth has been amazing. Um, I think I think that's where you have to look first. At the same time. If you're just going off of pure talent, offensive and defensive line are probably going to have better players there. You know, if you can get the the center from Iowa, that Tyler or Linderbaum or whatever, the big big old mule that just pushes people around for okay. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a big milk fed farm boy. I think that just just punishes people. You know, or you can get a a, a defensive tackle like Jordan Davis out of Georgia. He's just a massive nose tackle. I think those guys would probably represent more talent, but I don't think I don't think at this point you can overlook quarterback. Now, if there's a run on quarterbacks or some trade ups, I don't want to see the Steelers draft the fourth best quarterback in the first round as opposed to the best interior offensive lineman or the best interior defensive lineman. Not at all. You know, I, I don't I don't ever want to see him reach for a position. Um, we we've run into that problem before. You know, they drafted guys for need um, late, you know, mostly later in the rounds, but Artie Burns was a reach pick, you know, that several corners came off the board and the Steelers felt like they had to take another corner. Um, Jarvis Jones was another one. A couple of edge guys come off and they panicked and drafted Jarvis Jones. I, if, if, if Pickett and um, Corral aren't there, I, I would just as soon see them look at one of the lines of scrimmage. I go the second round, you get Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, maybe, or something like that. Kid who can run and can throw. That's like, fine by me. I, I like him. Yeah, I, he's I, and I think ultimately he's a kid that's probably gonna 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 pull himself up into the end of the first round. I think he can pass up the the kid from North Carolina, probably who's kind of struggled. Howell. Um, Sounds like the kid from Wake Forest. He's a redshirt sophomore. If he if he declares, that's going to kind of kind of throw things off in the first round because he's pretty good. But yeah, I don't I don't want to see the Steelers drop the fourth quarterback instead of the number one lineman or the number one defensive tackle. Not at all. Yeah, no, I, I like that commentary. And if it's Pickett, that would be perfect. Number one, but number oh, two, would yeah. Tomlin let him wear two gloves? That would be the question I would have to ask. Oh my God, probably not. Yeah, got to shed probably the glove. Got to shed the glove with Pickett, but that would be a fun pick. All right, so uh, question number two. And this this is one of my favorite articles on the of the week across all the wire networks. Kurt, this one was on the Steelers wire, obviously. What do you make of the report that Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler quote has never designed or called the defense in his entire time as a Steelers defensive coordinator? That's terrible. I mean, I, you know, it's it's terrible for two reasons. One, it's terrible because Keith Butler takes so much heat for how this defense is played. And if he really isn't the one who's doing it, and this is Tomlin, I apologize to Keith Butler for all the terrible things I've said about him because I've said some. Yep. And if, if, if he really is just sort of, it reminds me a lot of when Randy Feekner was the offensive coordinator because everybody knew Randy Feekner wasn't really the offensive coordinator. It was pretty much whatever Ben wanted to do. You know, I, and, and now it's come out that Keith Butler is is deferring to Mike Tomlin for everything. Well, then I have some people come to me after this, and I they say, well, just watch on the sidelines. You know, you can see Tomlin calling every defensive call. 
from the sidelines that, that, that Butler's never talking on his mic to anybody. And I feel kind of bad. I mean, here's a guy who, who is advertised as a defensive coordinator who has no control over what happens on game day of his, the defense that is, is, is attributed to him. You know, here he is out here watching his defense give up 180 yard rushing three games in a row or whatever it is. And he, he's a, you know, he's not really a part of that. And I, I, I think it's insane. I think that if you look at it though, big picture, you know, you see like the great coaches in the NFL and they always talk about their coaching tree. Um, Mike Tomlin really doesn't have much of a coaching tree. And, you know, Bruce Arians has, has done really well. Um, but aside from that, there, there isn't, there never has really been a whole lot of coordinators leave Pittsburgh groomed to, to excel on their own. Todd Haley didn't do it. Ken Wisenhunt didn't do it. Randy Feetner probably couldn't get a job if, if, you know, he decided to volunteer. And I think Keith Butler's kind of fallen into the same position. I think he's just kind of a figurehead at this point. And that's, it's unfortunate because we always hear about, you know, typically we hear about a head coach trying to run one side of the ball, choosing the offense. You hear about head coaches that want to be offensive coordinators and they want to call the offense and that. Well, they always get criticized for it. Oh, that's too much on your plate. You can't do it. Well, maybe Mike Tallman should take some heat now. If we if we know that and, – and the reporter who broke this, she has no reason to make this up. I mean, there's no – I know she's taken some heat from fans that she did this for clicks and, and did this for, for attention. There, she has nothing to gain from that. She, there, there's no benefit in her making, you know, fabricating this story. And so, you know, where's the, where's the criticism of Mike Tomlin that he spread himself too thin by trying to coach the entire team and run the defense? You know, maybe, maybe that's where we need to turn our attention to because there's an awful lot of people that defend Mike Tomlin you know, fire and brimstone, they are, you know, it's never his fault. Well, maybe this is his fault. You know, maybe, maybe for now we have something that says maybe this is Mike Tomlin's fault. All right, Kurt, question number three. We mentioned this earlier. The Steelers have six games left, but they're not favorable at all for, especially for a team that's struggling to find it, you know, figure out its identity. You got the Ravens at home this week, currently the number one seed in the AFC. We'll dig into that game a little bit here coming up next. But after that, you got at Vikings, home Titans, at Kansas City, home Browns, at Baltimore. That's how you close the season. Um, yeah. Can you find me three wins to keep the Steelers at 500? That's my question. I cannot. Me I either. cannot. Me either. Not at this point. If they can if they can sneak past the Vikings and, you know, as beat up as the Titans are, I, I see two wins in this. I, I, I really do. I think that they can – I don't think they can beat the Ravens unless unless the Ravens have locked up the number one seed and they decide to sit everybody that last game of the season, um, that's probably their best chance of getting three wins in these last six games. That, that I, I really think that. I don't think, they, I don't think they'll beat Cleveland again. Um, and, and I definitely don't think they're going to beat Baltimore this week. I, I, I would imagine the Ravens' run game are just licking their chops at the chance to run on this defense. So, yeah, I think, I think there's two wins in there. And if they can get lucky against the Titans and the Ravens sit some guys down, maybe they get three, get to five hundred. But I'm I'm more inclined to believe that that they're they're going to finish one game under, and they can lose all six. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's possible. Just just they they keep getting guys end up on the COVID list. I mean, who knows? They can. Watt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And now now they've got Joe Hay, who's kind of their number one swing offensive lineman. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't shock me. It, I would be far more surprised to see him go four and two than I would to see him go zero and six at this point. You know, to finish the season. And I know a lot of people are looking at that and saying, "Well, they'll they'll sweep Cleveland, and there's no way that Baltimore will sweep them, and they can beat the Vikings." And they, uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I'm not there. We're just not playing very good football right now. Uh, Given up 82 points in the last two weeks. And uh, the the next opponent, the Ravens, this should be, you know, one of those games on the schedule that you're just looking forward to. And it's like, this is the game. It's a fourth, you know, 430 late window start. Um, And I don't know. This game just shines off it a little bit, I think, Kurt. But Ravens at Steelers. We'll get into the matchup here a little bit coming right up after this. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged up uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game, and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt. Steelers, four and a half point dogs at home on Typico. I'd love to take the Steelers because I hate the Ravens. <laughs> you know, I, I just right. It's annoying how many games they've won that easily could have gone the other way this year, right? Like I'm, I'm looking at that Lions game where they convert a fourth and 19 and then kick a 66-yard field goal to win. That boinks off the uh, crossbar. Are you kidding me? They should have lost to the Lions. You know, we make fun of the Steelers for tying the Lions with their backup quarterback. The Ravens should have lost to the Lions with Lamar Jackson playing. Uh, but yeah. they, they pulled it out. And then, you know, this past week is another great example. Sunday night, Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and the Ravens still beat the Browns somehow. <laughs> so this is what mm-hmm. the Ravens have been doing this all year long. I would love to pick the Steelers. I would love to back them as four-and-a-half-point home dogs. Usually this is a spot that I just pounce on, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Steelers are in a state where I can back them in this game. And what do you think? Buying or selling Tomlin's ability to get his team ready to win, you know, this is kind of one of those classic backs-against-the-wall, everybody's-against-this kind of spot. And they're the more desperate team, but, I mean, are you buying or selling Tomlin's ability to get this team ready? I'm going to sell because I just don't think they have the talent. I, I think he can he can give all the speeches he wants, but I just don't think they that the Steelers have enough good players at, on either line to to hang with the Ravens at this point. I don't think I, I don't think they have enough talent on the defensive line to stop the run. I don't think their linebackers are playing well enough to deal with that zone read that that Lamar Jackson runs so well, um, and I don't think the offensive line has the confidence. I, I think that I think the offensive line is more talented than they played the last three weeks. Um, we've seen it. 
then I don't think they're playing with any confidence either. And so, no, I'm, I am not, I am not optimistic that, that one practice in pads is going to turn in a, you know, a, uh, a big pregame speech by Tomlin is going to be enough to, to get these guys on board to beat the, probably the best all around team in the AFC. I mean, they, they, they literally define how to win ugly. Like you said, they can't lose. Um, they can't lose. They, they try to, but lose, they, they find can't. a way. Yeah. They find a way. It's true. Whether it's a ridiculous catch, you know, by a guy who's dropped four passes already in the game or a first down that they shouldn't have gotten. I mean, there's just so many things have gone right for Baltimore. On one hand, you assume that at some point their luck's going to run out, and it may, but I don't think it's going to run out this week. I, I just I just don't see it. Like I said, Pittsburgh might be able to get them back that last game of the season if, if the Ravens don't have anything to play for, but I, I am not looking forward to the to the performance from the Steelers. I mean, even the fans. You know, Pittsburgh's attendance is way down this year their home attendance. Um, I think even the fans are kind of just, just kind of, you know, the, the locals that, that never miss a game are just kind of like, you know what, we're going to watch this on TV. So that way when it gets ugly, we can just turn it off. Yeah. And uh, sick it's of too bad. Their, it's sick, too bad. Yeah. Sick of watching their team get just romped, you know, basically. Well, and, and, and if you watch it from the stadium, then you still got to fight traffic. You know, at least if you're doing it at home, you don't have to worry about that. So yeah. now we're sounding like old curmudgeons talking like that, right? Oh, yeah, I, I know I am. I know I am. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned this player earlier, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, you, you almost at this point, you forget that he's been out. And, I, you know, I agree the trenches are a problem. But even in the passing game, like Juju just moved the sticks. You know, he always did. And yeah. him not being in the game, I think you feel it. You, you definitely – I keep forgetting Juju's out, I think. It's been so long since he's played. And it's like, yeah, man, we do miss that player, don't we? How many of those catches that Claypool let go through his hands, you know, that you're like, how's a guy that big and that strong can't squeeze that football? Juju makes those catches. Yeah, he's the guy at the he sticks makes making catch. those first downs and extending You drives. know, yeah, he turns up field, puts his head down pushes pushes for two extra and gets the first down and those every every time I see Claypool drop one of those little outs or something I'm like man Juju would have caught that yeah you know I just yeah no it's a great point and so I think we're both on the Ravens even as four and a half point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh and then uh the total is 44 I think I would lean under but I was looking at the AFC North games this year just kind of pulling them up and there's been plenty of low-scoring ones, like right? Like week three, Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh 24-10. to Week eight, Pittsburgh beats the Browns 15-10. to We had that 16-10 Baltimore-Cleveland game, right? So three of the games have gone under 30 points in the AFC North, but also three have gone over 50, right? With these Cincinnati yeah. games, they put 41 up on both you and Baltimore, you being Pittsburgh. Uh, so right. three games over 50, three games under 30, and this one's in the middle, this AFC North battle, right? Ravens, Pittsburgh, over under forty four. So it, it's got to go one way or the other. I'm not. I'm not sure, Kurt. I would actually. I probably lean under just based on these two too. teams. But uh, you know, you never know. One team could score forty. That's kind of how it's been yeah. this year. Well, that's what I. You know, the, the pessimist in me thinks that that Baltimore will get the over. You know, without yeah. without Steelers even needing to score. Nothing. But yeah, yeah. But I'll 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 stick with the under. I think I think I don't know Pittsburgh to win this game, but I have to feel point of pride that they're at least going to not go 41 again like they have the last two weeks i'll i'll give them the benefit of the doubt but i just i'm not sure where pittsburgh's points are going to come from are they going to actually want to run the ball or are they going to uh 
give up on Najee Harris and not even bother? Or, you know, where's, where's where are the points going to come from? You know, they got some guys hurt. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll take the under, but it's it'll be close. It'll be close to that. Yeah, for sure. I'm on the under as well. So for Kurt Popejoy, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button for us. Tell a friend, leave a review. And uh, we'll be back after Steelers-Ravens next week. Catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.